Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, fellow slaves of the global plantation, and hermaphrodites. The Vinnie Eastwood Show is bad news. It's like the news, but so much worse. It's the lighter side of genocide. Just because we're being exterminated doesn't mean we can't enjoy it. Otherwise, what's the point of being killed? The Vinnie Eastwood Show. Where the only thing worse than living in a high-tech global police state run by child-trafficking Satanists is Vinny's jokes. Fresh from the uh, Resolution Festival, where I organised three shows with three very spectacular Kiwi guests in 24 minutes in the middle of the night. It's just... It's Vinny Eastwood. This stuff just comes to him, you know. Um, so, welcome everybody. This is the first show... Uh, the first official show of the, uh, the Vinny Eastwood show uh, for 20... 24 wow I was talking with um, some guys and uh, I want to say he- hello to uh, everybody in the chat room of course the uh, the stalwart of the Vinnie Eastwood show moderation team DK Spiracy DK just love you man he's so freaking awesome and uh, he uh, DK has a, a great uh, telegram channel uh, called uh, but what if and he posted this video uh, the other day of, I think people were in traffic in Miami and half of the sky was like kind of like that golden clouds that you get when you are uh, near the sunset and the other half of the sky, like this is directly above you in a straight line, like it went from golden sky to just like black clouds and, and stuff like that, it looked real trippy and I was like man DK finds some amazing stuff so he's uh, streaming 24-7 uh, over on his channels uh, and I hope you guys go and uh, check him out, I'd like to say uh, uh, hello to Emma in the chat room and uh savage Stephen lestrom uh as well guys thank you so much for uh tuning in today for this the uh the inaugural broadcast of the Vinnie eastwood show 2024 the very first so i'd like to spend today uh talking about uh my experiences over uh new year's uh, particularly at the resolution festival and what happened there was a kind of like a bit of like a uh, a bit of a drag at first because you know we had uh, bad weather and a uh, few few little uh, uh stouches with the uh the campmates and and things like that and i kept everybody up till five o'clock in the morning one what <laughs> one night um and that was like the best night of my life by the way and i, I didn't want to take away from anybody's sleep in order to do that so i uh went and apologized i found found pretty much everybody was in the camp so fortunately a lot of those people were part of the crew uh for the festival so i was able to actually find them and go and say sorry you know um for uh keeping them up and what have you and they were all just like oh my god he actually came and apologized so i want to thank uh, uh brian uh, for telling me to go do that because if I hadn't I wouldn't have been able to meet up with these really amazing interesting people a lot of which are actually uh, going to come on the show um, so yeah when you when you say sorry um, I, I talked about this uh, concept where let's say uh, if you've ever heard of the smile uh, uh, study where, where somebody would smile at, at somebody else randomly you know in the street or whatever and then they track that person. They see how many people they smile to after uh, being smiled at randomly. And it was about seven. All right. So if you smile at somebody, hey, guys, love you. You're freaking awesome. You know, that kind of thing. You're on average going to smile and uh, give that same vibe out to seven other people. Now, the reverse is true. 
when you're being a dick and you don't take responsibility for the fact that you've been a dick. All right. I believe that seven frowns get get passed on. So the the psychologists call this projection. So let's say, uh, for example, you're sitting there and you're arguing with somebody online. You know, your your wife comes in and you say, "Honey, are you coming to bed soon?" And you're like, "No, somebody on the internet is wrong." Um, and <clears throat> what happens is you're angry at the person that you're talking to and so in that anger that you're that you're stuck in you project that onto your missus as she's asking you this question okay and you'll see this all the time people are on social media they're arguing with some some moron or some troll or something like that and then you go and you talk to them and they and uh you uh, get interrupted in the middle of this and then you rah, the the anger comes out so same thing happens if some enormous dick uh, has no presence of mind and no concern about other people like needing to sleep at a, at a festival and, and, and stuff like that, they'll get really angry and then they'll project that anger onto, say, seven other people, all right, theoretically. Um, and so when you go and apologize and you uh, give just apology, right, like you actually feel bad about it and you do say sorry genuinely, I think the the ripple that you turn out stops being a negative ripple and starts being a positive ripple okay so it's a responsibility for all of us if we really offend somebody hurt their feelings or something of that nature it's really important to go and apologize as immediately as you can preferably before they get into contact with anybody else to project that anger onto and create a separate negative ripple you see what i'm saying you make the world a better place by being nicer to people and and caring about them Okay, now this isn't like the uh, the fake frickin' uh, Jacinda Ardern. Oh, we want to be strong and kind, and we want to just be really kind and and like really kind and like so kind that blah, 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 that we frickin' exterminate you. All right, I'm not talking about that. All right, and I'm not talking about uh, uh, people who are you know deserving of say uh, uh, significant quantities of abuse like for example if somebody's uh, backing genocide and they're, and they're hurting people left right and center and what have you and they don't take any responsibility whatsoever for the hurt that they're putting out there like a certain pink-haired creature that i shall remain nameless because every time you mention its name uh you get uh censored in new zealand and i i, I found this out this is how i lost uh one of my channels uh, because we did a live stream with it um, at the uh, Boston Hotel uh, right next to Parliament. She, she was having breakfast, and, and we were having breakfast, so we're like, oh, well, Billy's like, well, let's have a live stream. We both got our, our, our channel censored, even though we didn't say anything about her or to her or talk to her in any way, shape, or form. We both got censored for bullying and harassment right protected species and i uh posted an article about this apparently uh she's in court and really upset uh, about the huge amounts of trolling and abuse that she got uh during her campaign of of you know killing everybody um that she was that she was helping and so uh that got censored as well so it's a protected species okay now did she apologize no she didn't did she take any responsibility no, she didn't. So what she's done is she's projected these dark circles, uh, these dark ripples, okay? Whereas what I try to do is do those positive ripples, all right? Now, this brings me on to the, um, uh, the artist uh, Leah Luna. Uh, 
and I'll come to her in, in uh, just a moment. But beforehand, this is, I think, uh, December 30th of uh, 2023, you know, the day before New Year's Eve. Uh, after, at the last act, uh, this uh, woman, uh, Miriam, uh, who is uh, incidentally camped right next to me, she was one of the people I kept up, uh, she comes on after the song uh, has uh, finished, you know, last last song for the night kind of thing. Um, and she does this guided meditation. All these people are standing there, they were dancing one second, and now and now we're doing this meditation. There's yoga and there's stretching and there's breathing and, and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, well, I, I'll give it a go. And I was like, hmm, that actually did really calm me down. That actually did make me feel better. That actually did make me think that I'm going to have a, a reasonably good sleep tonight. Um, and the next night was when uh, Leia Luna was playing. And this guy, uh, Dante, who, if anybody's going in the festival circuits, uh, uh, New Zealand Spirit, Earthbeat, Resolution, uh, Shipwrecked, and, and things of that nature, uh, they will know this guy, Dante. All right? He walks around like a, a dressed in a pirate outfit, big big hat, big feathers, and, and uh, glowing sunglasses and, and, and stuff like that. This really amazing looking dude. Um, and he's like a wizard, right? And I encountered him uh, at Resolution Festival the year before, and he uh, shared with me uh, some very useful information. Now, most of the time when you have a, a conversation with somebody, you, they might give you some interesting information. They might offer you a little bit of an insight um, with not terribly much practicality. But Dante is not like that. When he's talking to you uh, and you're listening, that's the two most important things of having in a conversation is being talked to and listening to what's being said. As a talk radio show host, that's kind of important. Anyway, he tells me about uh, Leia Luna and uh, how how wonderful and how beautiful she is and all that kind of thing. So I was like, okay, well, let's, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to get down there uh, at, at the time to do that because I'm, I'm taking care of my son. But if I do, if I do see her, I'll, 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 that'll be great. And uh, sure enough... We get in there and we have a Mickey as dance. It's a great DJ. And everybody was really feeling it. And then, you know when a girl, she does want sex with you again, but uh, she kind of pretends like she doesn't, you know? The whole crowd's just going, oh, one more song, one more song. And she's like, no, I don't want to give you another song. <laughs> she, well, you know, well, oh, yes, she does. Um, and... <laughs> We uh, got to play even three more songs uh, past her set with his day. Everybody was just loving it. Um, and then this last one comes on. The music goes down, and you start hearing these tones from these instruments that I couldn't identify. Never really heard them before. And birds start singing through the sound system in a, in a sort of a distorted pattern. And she starts doing this uh, sort of guided meditation. And after it was over, um, I'd had this vision of what had just happened to us. And I, and I explained this uh, in detail uh, to my mate Jackson, who was there. He experienced it too. Um, and I said, is that, is that what you felt as well? He's like, yeah, bro, that's exactly what I, that was exactly it. So this is what happened. This is at the end of 2023. 
right, after we'd just been through, I think maybe from 2019 all the way to 2023 uh, and, and right up to the end of it. It was either Christchurch Moss Massacre or COVID or deplatforming or censorship or getting arrested or being sentenced to prison or 28 months of bail conditions. And just before this had happened, uh, at, the, at the festival, I got a call from my lawyer saying that the uh, charges against me have uh, more or less been dropped. I'm just getting a discharge with conviction. And uh, that's incidentally how all our children got here. But I digress. Uh, so I was on this vibe where I was like... Okay, whenever you take any kind of uh, hallucinogen or uh, a psychedelic substance or something like that, my brother told me you have to do it for a reason, right? You have to have a reason for it. Otherwise, you are wasting it. You're just, you, you're just getting wasted. And, and that's a, a literally a waste of its potential. So uh, I was kind enough to, I was lucky enough to uh, know some people there who uh, had some uh, mushrooms and, and, and things of that nature and gave me some. And, and, when we were having this meditation with uh, uh, Leia Luna, it was kind of, kind of like in that, in that uh, altered state of consciousness. And this is what happened. And I want you to kind of visualize this, if, if you will, and if, you, if you're somewhere safe, you're not uh, uh, doing anything, just, just, just stop for a second and really listen to this and, and, and visualize it, because this is exactly what happened to me. This is exactly what happened to uh, Jackson, as it's been described. There was a whirlpool that opened up on your right side and it had a gravity to it and what it was doing is this whirlpool was sucking in this energy all the negative energy all the stuff that you'd felt in in 2023 and and previous towards that all the all the bad stuff you think and feel your loneliness your anger your depression your sense of uh betrayal and this whirlpool seemed to be sucking it out of me and accumulating it in this little pool beside me and then she opened up another pool on the other side and into it she poured all this love, positivity, togetherness, this prospective faith that the new year would be a wonderful thing. And these two whirlpools came up, crashed into each other like two big waves, and then they exploded into a million shards of shimmering mirror. And then they poofed into this golden dust. And then you breathed it all in. And released it. It was like all the stuff that I'd been through uh, in the last four years. All that pain and anger and sorrow and betrayal. and uh, All that negativity evaporated and it hasn't come back and then I was talking to uh, one of the security guards and he told me about the mushroom about the how it works he says it's a hive mind and they've studied this and they look you know how trees communicate with each other through their roots well uh, psilocybin magic mushrooms as they're, as they're known uh have a very similar aspect, except they're capable of translating that hive mind to any being that ingests it, okay? And what he told me is that if you're on the mushroom, 
you will run into other people who are on it seemingly randomly but it's not random it's the hive mind telling you this person's on it this person's on it and and you just go and you just naturally gravitate towards them now this guy uh, uh kind of confessed to me and I thought this was a very interesting Vinnie Eastwood sort of moment, you know, talking to the uh, security guard about a mushroom experience that he had. Because uh, people just spill their guts to me. Because if they're in touch with the higher consciousness uh, that really does exist uh, within us all, you'll notice that there is no threat here. And that you can tell me anything. Uh, and you won't be judged for it. And you won't be harmed because of it. Right? So he's telling me about how he was cheating on his missus, and he didn't feel bad about it. Then he had the what's called a Superman trip. It was a five grams dried mushroom. And he said he couldn't describe to me uh, what had happened, but he was different afterwards. He actually did feel what, what he'd done, and he apologized uh, to his missus, and uh, next year they're getting married. You know? Beautiful. Right? Like a cure. And I said, you might not be able to describe it, but I'm an orator. I'm a poet. Okay. I could, I, let me just posit a suggestion here, a theory, if you will, that when you are living, you, your eyes only see in one direction. They only see outwards. They're, they're not out here looking back at you. And likewise, your consciousness is inside looking out. They're not, it's not looking back and reflecting upon you. But when you're ingesting a substance that is of a hive mind, that hive mind can see you from all angles. And if it's inside you, it's helping you to see yourself from all the angles. How you made other people feel. Well, how other people saw you and they integrate that knowledge into your experience and that is what changes people from the introspective to the objective right as, as in uh, coming to this uh, real stage of truth and back in the day i believe it was uh just prior to the renaissance where artists began to do something different that they'd never done before they did their art in three dimensions okay they were able to see and able to translate to art the different uh, dimension that they were now capable of seeing incidentally right before that happened in that renaissance period there was recorded a, a enormous um, spore cloud of magic mushrooms that had uh, taken on uh, the English countryside essentially so when people ate their food there was little bits of dirt in it and stuff like that and that was full of spores so it created a, a, a hive mind and a consciousness uh, awakening and I'm pretty sure at that time a whole bunch of artists and things of that nature who knew each other who were doing shrooms at the same time started bumping into each other and started talking hey did you think about that yeah I was thinking about that you know um, so that was something that was interesting uh, uh, concept to me because if this uh, guy was telling me what was correct is that he didn't have a conscience at the time uh, that he was uh, uh, doing these things. And I theorized that what the mushroom did is it put truth to his conscience, right? Uh, basically as a um, 
two forces fighting against each other and one knowing it's going to lose and surrendering. Okay? Consciencelessness surrendering to the power of the hive mind and the power of truth. Okay? Then he started not sleeping so well. Then he started feeling guilt. And I was like, this is interesting because I've always uh, uh, thought about, you know, psychopathy, for example. Incredible and interesting uh, people, these uh, psychopaths. Terrifying, but still remarkably interesting. Because what can a human being do when he's not bound by the constraints of having a conscience? Okay? And what if, it's just theoretical, what if you gave a psychopath a uh, a very strong uh, mushroom experience, exposed them to the hive mind to see themselves from the outside, objectively, exactly who they are, exactly what they've done, and exactly what they're supposed to feel about it? Could it cure their consciencelessness? That's probably uh, one of the most important questions that I've ever really asked uh, in my career. Um, the other uh, most important question, I think, is... Uh, what was it? Oh, yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. I was coughing trying to get this out. Uh, do you have the ability to take control of New Zealand? Let's say you wanted to take control of the country and free it. What would you need to do? What would it cost? Blah, 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 blah. And people are given all sorts of suggestions as to how to do this. Oh, we need to meditate right and raise the consciousness level. Or we need to broadcast more truth and get it out to more ears. Or we need to have more picnics so more of people like us can get together and, and, and something like that. Now, none of those are necessarily bad ideas. However, they're not definitive, okay? How many people do you need to be broadcasting the truth before you're suddenly free? Yeah? How many picnics do you need to go to before you're all now suddenly free? It's not going to happen. What will work, and the reason why we know it will work is because it's worked in every single successful government that has ever existed, good or bad government, by the way. Money. Money to pay the police and money to pay the military. Why? Because if you've got a new legal system, and your legal system says there is only two laws that you really need to enforce, guys, if you want to compress it down, maybe one. Do not take that which does not belong to you. All right? Or in the shorthand, don't hurt anybody, don't damage their private property. Simple. Libertarianism. Now, the budget for the New Zealand police and the New Zealand military are relatively similar, approximately $2 billion each per year. So, the solution to us being enslaved and now suddenly being free is quite simple. It'll cost you $4 billion a year. Why? Because if anybody starts to enforce laws with the force of law, whole bunch of people who are indoctrinated to enforce the law to the letter and people to back them up if, if they lose order in the streets, you've got them, okay? You've got the ability to enforce your will. That's why they call it law enforcement, giving force to the government. 
Now, personally, I don't like the idea of government. I don't like the idea of controlling what other people think and what other people say and, and what have you, unless they've hurt somebody or damaged their property, in which case I've got a real big problem with them, and I believe that they need to be punished. Now, at the moment, however, $4 billion a year is being paid to enforce the current legal system. That is the police giving you tickets and collecting revenue and uh, busting people for weed and all sorts of other things which are against conscience. And this is why the police have a massive staff turnover. They have lots of people leaving all the time every year and that's why they have a massive recruiting uh, uh, section that is going after kids. Young, inexperienced, preferably stupid children that have adult bodies okay because those people can be lied to those people can be manipulated far easier than somebody who's 35 years old and been around the sun a few times and and seen people uh, lie to them and manipulate them and decide that they don't want that no more okay so if you've got that four billion dollars a year you can pay them to enforce whatever whatever laws you want Okay, and and my my suggestion is that uh, we raise four billion dollars annually to purchase the police and the military to enforce real natural law, and then we're free, all of us, because we're paying the people to enforce freedom and liberty. Period. Anybody else who has any suggestion otherwise is barking up the wrong tree and then not looking at the very mechanism of control, which is you have the police to keep order in the streets, the military to back them up when they fall over, and the financiers up the top to pay them. That's it. That's all you need to have either freedom or tyranny is just pay the people to give force to the word of law. All right? Very simple, very straightforward, comprehensible even. Right? So, uh, at the com, we are doing a fundraiser uh, to raise the first $4 billion. So, uh, if you go to the Vinnie Eastwood Show, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. All right, so, uh, by the way, give me money. Um, now, we uh, going on to this um, uh, other experience and talking uh, further about the mushroom, I met another guy um, who was from Estonia. And he uh, told me about this... Uh, the wisdom of the mushroom and all of this kind of stuff and now he's saying that it's actually going to heal mankind all right and and having this experience uh with uh Leia luna and uh the the resolution festival and having the conversation subsequently with the security guard uh gave me um insight that was able to uh solidify uh that knowledge base now this is why these things are illegal uh, because the current set of $4 billion a year is being set to enforce a lack of conscience and a lack of truth. So he said that, uh, you know, we should put it in the water supply or you, you give it to everybody where you can, you know, that that kind of thing. And there's, there's people like that out there who, uh, I wouldn't say believe, but know uh, how healing uh, the magic mushroom could be and, and want to give it out to anybody who wants it. Right, anybody who wants it, and we were talking about the uh, the Superman dose, which is a five gram of, of of dried mushroom, and that how that expands your consciousness, and you can even theoretically cure psychopathy. I don't know. I need to do uh, more research and, and uh, talk to some 
other experts on the show uh, regarding uh, this aspect to see if any uh, research has been done into this uh, uh, element. Uh, but he was talking about a 50 gram dose, 50 grams of dried mushrooms. Like, and you, he said you have to work up to it, you know, five grams, then eight, then 12, and, and, and so on and so forth, up until you get to the uh, 50 grams of dried mushroom, just sitting there in a bowl. And he said he was shaking. Uh, when he when he tried this, and uh, he go, okay, please don't destroy me. Just give me the knowledge that I need. And he told me that he was uh, during the course of this uh, enormous uh, trip. You know, they, they call it journeying, not not tripping. Okay, you're not going on a trip. You're going on a journey. Uh, that he journeyed to a, a, a different space, a, a space that was uh, significantly more complex and significantly uh, more powerful than ordinary consciousness is capable of receiving, as in uh, downloading the collective wisdom of uh, millions of organisms who have a hive mind that collectively know everything, 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 and they download it into you. And he says after that, it's just completely changed person because you've seen it. Okay, in a similar manner to after you watch uh, the documentary when it first came out around about that time period, a documentary by Jason Burmis called Loose Change about uh, 9-11, allegedly to the senses being an inside job. Okay, offering that sort of knowledge and that compacted, truncated uh, pieces of information in order to distill an idea, an idea that will stick, okay? It won't be explained away, it won't be uh, emotionally uh, led astray, and so on and so forth. That idea sticks, it it holds there. And I I think this is uh, what he was uh, trying to tell me happened to him. So... Then the next question is uh, about this. We we did actually have a, a number of uh, discussions about the, uh, he called it the sacred mushroom. All right. And it went on, I think, uh, five o'clock in the morning after I kept everybody up late. Uh, myself, uh, Dante, and a couple of the other guys um, that we'd been hanging out with at the time, uh, my mate Drew, uh, we went down to the men's circle. All right. Five o'clock in the morning was when it started. And uh, we introduced ourselves and and, uh, went around the circle. And then we took our shirts off and ran up a uh, a hill, a pretty frickin' big hill. Um, And on the top of the hill, we did these uh, uh, lots of exercises, you know, lots of squats, lots of sit-ups, lots of uh, press-ups in order to get that breath of life. (gasps) And more specifically, uh, what uh, Stone, the... Uh, I think his name is Stone or Stone Thrower. I forget which. I just call him Thor, son of Odin. Uh, he, <laughs> big blonde beard, you know, big guy, you know, really cool. And you can tell he's been through a lot, suffered uh, with addiction and uh, all of those kind of things. And, and uh, that's uh, kind of like a detachment from uh, what you might call uh, masculinity. Uh, masculinity is about ordering chaos. In, in, in principle, it's about ordering chaos. Seeing a problem, solve a problem. See a problem, solve a problem. That's what guys do, at least when we're healthy, uh, when we're clear. And the reason why we exercised uh, like that, we were trying to do a class, okay? And the exercise was part of the class. He said, the sacred sweat, Okay? This concept was very new to me, but 
he says that you're able to distill energy and toxins into something that you can excrete and you can only do that by working real hard, working out or uh, uh, doing something. And, and uh, ever since that uh, day, I've been making sure to bring myself up to a sweat uh, through the course of uh, whether it was doing gardening or uh, anything like that. Now, nevertheless, while we were doing this uh, exercises, uh, my mate Drew told me that it was it, he kind of like wasn't feeling it until I started doing the chant because we're, we're doing these exercises like a squat one warrior two warrior three warrior four warrior five warrior right and until I started doing that in that deep kind of masculine sort of, sort of tone Drew wasn't feeling it and then all of a sudden as soon as that that tone came up to match what we were actually trying to do we were trying to um get in touch with the warrior side of man you see that once i started doing the uh the chance with it that is what uh, uh really motivated him and really actually got him into it because um the thing about tones and music and and all of these things they affect uh, multiple areas of the brain uh, simultaneously it's it's uh, what i'd like to call kind of integration and when you're integrating your thoughts with your tones of voice and the movement of your body that is your thought your feeling and your reptilian action simultaneously working and I was talking with uh, David Holden, a uh, naturopath, about this, and he was saying that there's two things that activate those three areas of the brain simultaneously, and music is one. You, you've felt this when you're in the zone and you're dancing, or, or you're singing, uh, uh, for that matter, and something takes hold of you uh, as if the parts of you are no longer separate. They're, they're working in, in a unity-type uh, fashion. So the other is comedy uh, uh, that uh, David Holden told me. And I was wondering, is it this concept that we have on this show in particular where we have prioritized the use of comedy, and I, I would love to not have uh, copyright problems with YouTube and all of that kind of stuff, so I actually play you guys music and what have you, but we've just used my own uh, music for the show uh, this way. So this way, when you are listening to this broadcast, hopefully... It's going to take you out of your anxiety. It's going to take you out of your fear. It's going to take you out of your frustration and integrate those into a flow listening to the show. You're laughing uh, during music. You could be uh, dancing or anything like that, but you're engaging your brain. You're engaging your heart. And when you laugh, your body actually activates and physically uh, uh, does something to you there's a lot of very important uh, uh, things that people don't know about laughter and i think that my mm, propensity towards comedy comes from as many comedians uh, early trauma all right so if 
the best comedians in the world are people who have suffered. They had to develop a sense of humor in order to give themselves alignment so that they're not trapped in fear or anxiety or frustration at any time. You laugh, it uh, resets your brain, resets your body, and it helps you to uh, continue on. Regardless of what pain and frustration and anger and, and stuff like that that you've got, the laughter keeps it at bay. All right, and I, this is this is what I try to do for you guys because this is what uh, works for me. It may not work for you. Okay, some people are very serious, and they only think about things in a very serious manner. And I think this is a. I don't want to call it a lack of emotional maturity. I want to call it a lack of being gifted wisdom by people who are more experienced in the ways of suffering and the uh, methods of coping with that suffering, right? Uh, the Native Americans call this the wounded healer. As I've uh, mentioned on the show before, sometimes you will suffer such grief and such tragedy and such pain uh, that has left you damaged, whether it be emotionally, physically, spiritually, and you can't see a way back until you meet a wounded healer somebody who has been there somebody who the same thing has happened to and they've managed to find their own way back it's only once you find those people that you can see that oh my god there is a way back from this this is this is not me that i don't have to carry this load and at the men's circle uh we were all instructed after doing these uh big exercises on the top of the hill uh, to uh, one by one go out and speak something to the land. We could invite something or we can express something. And one guy, he, he, he walked up and he was near in tears and he starts screaming, screaming. Why did you do it, you idiot? Why did you kill yourself? Why didn't you come to me? This guy crying, bawling. I started crying, man. You can see the pain that somebody committing suicide really does, especially to a man, because a man is a problem solver. If he doesn't aware that there's a problem and then suddenly his friend's dead, he's, he, he's, had some, he's had something taken from him. Not only has he lost a friend, but he, he missed an opportunity. All right? Is there something in, in, innately male about regretting the lost opportunities that we have here? Maybe, maybe not. I think maybe everybody uh, suffers from that uh, to one degree. When I got up, I sang. I didn't... This is, this is how I create songs. I hear something in my head, and I try to express it through my mouth. First it comes in tones, like... Oh, then after the beat has gone through... Oh, 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 there's a there's a sort of a bridge there, you know. You, you can see that there's actually a, a a structure to it that's coming to me, and then the words come, and I can't remember the name of the words, which is a shame. I usually always record every song that I sing, but I didn't really know that we were going to be uh, doing something like that up there, so I didn't bring myself up. But anyway, uh, the last thing that I remember saying, singing out is, I'm grateful for the man that I am. The first thing I remember saying is, this load is no longer mine to bear, and I cast it off. 
And when I uh, walked back to the uh, circle of men, I could see that a lot of them had been really affected uh, by uh, the tones I was using. It was sort of um, operatic. And, you know, when you... um, when you vibrate your voice box, <clears throat> not sure if I can. Let me do this here. If I'm in the uh, uh, the state, uh, you see the vibration, okay? Uh, you making different tones. This as opposed to ah, uh, right. It's the vibration um, and the uh, the fluctuation of the voice box that seems to have this um, more psychological and, and more more powerful effect as opposed to just a ordinary singing. And I, I remember it was uh, Emery uh, Rawati uh, when I was sixteen uh, during her speech that won the senior speech competition. Uh, she sang uh, during her speech and she uh, lowered her voice and raised her voice and vibrated her, her voice box. And I thought, man, that's interesting. I want to try doing that. And I did. And, and it's, it works really well. So as I went back to the circle, I could see that, again, these uh, guys have been really affected by, you know, some of them is sort of uh, tears in their eyes because I think I was speaking for them. That's where the, that's where the sound came from. That's where the structure of the uh, musical tones I was using came from. And that's where the words came from. Because I was listening to these other guys taking on board it all in a more of an ethereal sense rather than remembering and specifically thinking. And then when I went out, I let go. And it was deeply personal for me because I wanted to let go. I wanted so much, guys, to let go of all of that crap that had happened to me and happened to all of us. Didn't just happen to me, it happened to all of us, didn't it, over the last few years. How much pain, how much anger, how much frustration, and I wanted to shake it off with my voice. Right? And I did, and I could see that it helped the other guys as well. Now, that was, I think, probably the uh, the most important aspects of what happened to me uh, over the new year. I had my uh, 39th birthday, so next year it's going to be my 40th. I'm going to have a really good 40th birthday, you know. I thought that would be a great idea. Um, and getting back to the uh, chat room now, uh, I'd like to welcome Mr. Bushman and uh, Thomas Lee, and last one, uh, 207, and uh, Bruce Collins as well. And uh, guys, thank you uh, very much for joining here in the show today. We've got maybe a little under 15 minutes uh, before we're going to ramp up. And so I'm just going to take a uh, quick commercial break. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to round off the show and get to your comments. So if you have any any questions or any insights, I'd like you to type into the chat while the uh, ads for uh, Ground Zero Radio are playing. Question, and then put your question, or insight, and then uh, put your insight, and we'll address those when we come back from break. One moment, please, guys. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Final few minutes of the show here. No statements and no insights and no questions from the chat room. Don't worry. I get that a lot. Uh, 
Last one, 207, saying Clyde Lewis is the G-O-A-T. I do not know what that acronym stands for. Is it the GOAT? You know, is he the... Is, is Clyde Lewis the... The, the devil-worshipping little Judas goat who's, who's, who's misleading us all into a corral where we could be largely, lightly slaughtered by the New World Order. You know, I, I, please, please explain what goat means, bro. <laughs> um, is it like the OG, you know? Uh, with my boy, uh, we're, uh, we're watching the OG. Greatest of all time, DK Spiracy says. After being on one show with Clyde, greatest of all time he he's he's definitely up there isn't he yeah i never even thought about that yeah he was, he was very spectacular the interview that i did with him and and then um when uh republic broadcasting uh kicked me off <laughs> their network because they found somebody that could uh pay uh for my time slot i uh, immediately i i actually cried guys like, it never actually happened to me before where a radio network has just let me go all right uh there have been a number of uh failed uh networks and things like that that um uh got taken out for uh one reason or another but to have a network actually kick me off because somebody's able to pay for my time slot that that really hurt my feelings especially after uh going through everything that i'd been through these last couple of years um and coincidentally, or maybe synchronistically, uh, is a woman named uh, Melissa from Texas. She sent out this email, really long, very strongly worded email about why she's no longer listening to Republic Broadcasting, right? <laughs> and I didn't know that at first, okay? I, I get emails all the time, and you can tell that if the email is not short and succinct and to the point, that this person probably doesn't respect your time. They're just putting all their thoughts out there on a page and, and what have you, so you're like, okay, next. Um, because when I email people, it is usually three lines. I'm Vinnie Eastwood. Can you come on the show at this time via Skype? That's it. I respect my guest's time. Because I know, I know from experience that you need to be succinct with people who've got a lot on because you need to respect their time. Nevertheless, something told me, I don't know about this email that's very long and like, like that. Let's take the time to read it. And she, she went on uh, criticizing uh, the network of, in very strong language um, and then towards the very end of the email, she said how aghast she was that Vinnie Eastwood was being kicked off the network. And she said, I, I think if I've uh, got the quote here, the Vinnie's day, uh, I, I'm not sure if I can get the exact quote on screen for you. However, she said that if any of the quote, yahoos on this network want to know what a in all caps real talk radio show host sounds like listen to vinnie eastwood and then back into all caps he listens to what his guests say and then he responds to what they said this is what a real conversation is supposed to sound like and i was like wow man 
right after being kicked off the network, having that email and having that uh, that comment was just like, wow, that was so good. Uh, nevertheless, uh, before that even happened, I had asked, you know, hey, the Vinny Eastwood show is looking for a new home. And I, f- I forget the guy's name. I'm, I'm so terrible with uh, uh, people's names. I, I really apologize. Uh, I've got it here on the Ground Zero radio chat. Ah, yes, Mr. Sherwin happened to be a producer at Ground Zero Radio and I'd been on with uh, Clyde Lewis once after the uh, Christchurch Mosque Massacre and did like a great show it was, it was quite funny actually when we were on the uh, ad break um, Clyde was like talking to the producer saying oh my god I love this guy he's like my brother from New Zealand <laughs> um, and so when I asked you know the Vinny Eastwood show was looking for a new home you would not believe how many people told me to go with RCR Reality Check Radio and uh, do you know how many people from RCR Reality Check Radio got back to me from the multiple requests uh, that they received from these people and me not one reply. And Mr. Sherwin, on the other hand, he offered me a, a slot on the Ground Zero radio network, said that he would be, uh, I'd be a good fit there and all of that kind of thing. I started talking to uh, the guy on the technical aspects and the producer and, and that kind of thing. I'm really good at talking with technical people, all right? namely because I really simplify uh, what actually needs to be uh, said and understood. So uh, what would have taken them six hours took about uh, 30 minutes with me. You know, oh, you need to download this, you need to set these settings up, and so on. I had already gone done. You know, all I need to do is uh, ask a couple of very specific questions. Doing this, 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 and this. Boom! We're 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 freaking running, and we're already doing a test on the network that uh, uh, bled over. And now I'm doing a, a weekly radio show on the Ground Zero uh, radio network. You can uh, listen to the show at Ground Zero uh, dot radio, and there's many other fabulous guests on there. And and uh, guys, I I could say that. But I haven't listened to any of their shows. I really haven't listened to anybody's shows for, God, it might be 10 years now. Um, not avidly, anyway. Might might catch a show he, here or there maybe a couple of times a year. Because after you've done what I've done, for the amount of people that I've done it for, keeping up to date with uh, what everybody's doing, it's irrelevant. Just get them on your show, talk to them, Ask them who they are, what they do, listen to them, and respond to what they've said. It tells you uh, uh, everything I need to know. All right? And uh, the same is true of this show uh, for you. I hope that many of you uh, at one day will think to yourself, you know what? I've had enough Vinny Eastwood show. Right? I don't, I don't need to listen to it anymore. I've figured out how to run my life. I've figured out the humor. I've figured out the, uh, the knowledge that the show was trying to get onto me. And that's the point. If you cannot manage yourself into the point where you become obsolete, you are doing it wrong. This is what best managers do. They manage things so well that everything runs on its own and you no longer need it. Okay, hands off. That's, I think, what is uh, really important uh, to do uh, when it comes to uh, listening to people's shows. And the the shows that activated me were, uh, I I believe, the Alex Jones show, primarily number one. 
Um, and then there was uh, Charlie Veach and the uh, the Love Police and uh, Luke Rudkowski. These guys uh, went out there. Uh, Love Police went out with megaphones and uh, went to hug uh, cops and and things like that. No, I'm not protesting. I'm just talking through a megaphone. Freaking hilarious. Go and have a look on uh, YouTube. The old Love Police videos, man. Gold. So those um, inspirations I took, then I stopped watching their videos and I stopped watching their shows. I just started interviewing people and doing my own thing. And that is that is the primary reason why you should be listening to the Vinnie Eastwood show is if you are lacking inspiration, if you are lacking a, uh, a sense that people understand you and care who you are and care what you think and don't judge you for the quote-unquote crazy things we conspiracy uh, theorists say if it makes you feel like you're not alone that is that is the most important part of the Vinnie Eastwood show to for anybody who's first starting to listening to it is so that you don't feel alone anymore and that you, you begin to feel happy and relaxed after you've finished listening to the broadcast and that is what I hope to do for all of you at some point I hope you will stop listening to this show and everybody else's because you're too busy manifesting what you want into this world to bother again listening to others instead of just getting them on your show and having a real conversation to them where you can listen to them and respond to what they've said. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Ladies, gentlemen and hermaphrodites, my fellow slaves of the global plantation. The Vinnie Eastwood Show is bad news. It's like the news, but so much worse. It's the lighter side of genocide. Just because we're being exterminated doesn't mean we can't enjoy it. Otherwise, what's the point of being killed? The Vinnie Eastwood Show. We're the only thing worse than living in a high-tech global police state run by child-trafficking Satanists. Is Vinny's jokes. <laughs>